and welcome to the Men Unite podcast. We have just spoken with Matt Leach, the son of Essex gangster Carlton Leach. And my God, this episode is an absolute whirlwind. This guy has been through hell and back. And the life experiences he's had, he shared everything with us, and it's just absolutely mind-blowing. He suffers with Parkinson's, so we want to get the awareness out about that, and I'm going to work extra hard to push a Parkinson's awareness month out because it was actually last month just gone, and uh, to be honest, I didn't hear anything about it, so that's another thing that we're going to be working on. Before we get into this episode, manmadebeardcompany.co.uk, head over there, get your beard supplements in, Poddy 10 on discounts. Please leave us a review. Subscribe. Drop us a comment in the YouTube channel if you'd like, because this episode is an absolute banger. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Matt Leach. <laughs> Men Unite podcast with Vincent Monty. Yo, Matt Leach, what's Ready happening, bro? What is happening? Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be on the show today. Uh, I can't believe I'm coming live from Las Vegas. Thank you very much for your welcome. It's a real pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Just get this call with you, Mr. Joe Rogan. And I feel it's a real pleasure. You've got me on the show. Yeah. Hey, anytime. You're full, full of beans this morning, bro. <laughs> it's, the, it's the energy I need this morning, hey. man. Hey, Tony, Tony, slow down, huh? Huh? Slow down, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, huh? We have to talk about the good thing. Okay. Oh, oh, relax, man. Relax, relax, relax. Relax, relax. Okay. Yeah, I need I needed it this morning, bro. I was feeling low as fuck, mate. <laughs> and you've come, you've come, you've come on with like good vibes, good energy. Like just you just brought some some light to my day. I don't know if you've done it with bits, but I'm I'm guessing you've done the same thing to him, man. Oh god. Okay. Well, I, I, I feel like I got an Oscar. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a big smile on my face, mate. So soon as he soon as he jumped in here, that was it. Boom! He hit us with the uh, the London accent straight off, straight off. But to, to, I've invited you on the podcast, mate, because I've been following you for quite a while. I, I can't put a time frame on it, but it's been quite a while. Um, and uh, three you, days. Three yeah, days, yeah, yeah, about three days. Yeah, so, three days. Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, we'll go with three days. That's fine, mate. Three oh, days. Uh, Tony, 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 I look on my Instagram. I don't even see you, huh? I don't even see you, Nelly. I'm not. <laughs> You're not pulling me, huh? Papi, Papi, I'm on, I'm on a... What, what's that thing that we're doing? It's stop online abuse. Oh, you, you, you put your hand. No, 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 no. I cannot follow, I cannot like, I cannot share to the third of... It's Mate. Monday, Monday. So it's yeah, Monday. yeah, yeah. So basically, Matt, uh, all the all the football leagues are basically they've all come off 
social media. I know, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yes, you know, didn't you? Oh, Matty, Matty, I will follow you on Monday. Yeah. No, Tuesday, because it won't be till Monday midnight. So Tuesday, I'll follow you. I'll be able to repose, retreat, and yeah, night. you'll be yeah, you'll be asleep at midnight, mate, on Monday. Yeah. That's the first first job you've got yeah, to do. No, then, we're totally, totally yeah, yeah. First first job Tuesday morning, Monty, is uh follow Matt. I will do. We'll follow him. <laughs> yes, you, mate. Matt, you know what? Yeah, Matt's talking, yeah. I don't see you, Tony. I don't see you, Tony, but I don't see you following me, Matt. Ooh. That's a good call. You hear that, Matt? <laughs> he doesn't Look know. At Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> I've got you now. Look, 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 look. look. <laughs> you're good. Oh, you're good, huh? You're from Staten Island? You're good. <laughs> yes, mate. So... Yeah, uh, obviously everything that I've seen you doing and your the awareness that you you're putting out there and like uh, the stories that you're putting on all your socials, man, is just it's fucking blow my mind because you have yeah you you have Parkinson's right? It's uh, Parkinson's that you struggle with yeah, daily. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise you was my neurology. You just um. <laughs> No one told me. <laughs> sorry, we're gonna take cut. No, no, no mentioned that. Um, all right, I'm the wrong. Sorry, yeah. That's yeah. Happened. Oh shit, I've, I've got the wrong guest. Yeah, you haven't got it, have you? Oh mate, I apologise. I'm so sorry. Right. I'm here to talk about my degrees, my diplomas. Yes, sorry, sorry mate. I've... I think it's good. Yeah, right, we've got I'm so- yeah, I'm sorry, mate. Matt, Matt, Matt we're yeah. sorry, we're sorry. Yeah, so sorry, mate. We've. Wrong guess. You, yeah. Sorry about that, mate. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. You, yeah. You need to talk about your um, your wheel domination that you've set in place. Forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but like like I said, yeah, proper inspirational stuff that I'm yeah. seeing from you all the time, all the time. <laughs> and um, but before before we get in to 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 your struggles and like your daily routine of battling against that motherfucking disease. We had a little chat before we started recording and um, you've hit me with some fucking mad info about yourself. Mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. So so please, let's let's tell the listeners and, and show the viewers. What is it? Rise of the Foot Soldier. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, what what it is is that um, obviously people know me as a Parkinson's warrior. Um, it's my fight, my battle with Parkinson's disease, um, complex post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've got friends. Oh, he's gone again. He's gone again. He's gone again. So, like brain trauma on the left side. Obviously, when you have a fight, it affects the right side. So that's for the Parkinson's. Um, and uh, basically, my trauma goes back to childhood. So we're talking, you know, 40 years of constant trauma that's yeah. taken my body. Now, the problem is, is this, that when you have trauma and you don't deal with that trauma, yeah. so, you know, it's very much, it's very much when you're being emotional and you, if you don't deal with that emotion by crying or breaking down, that, that trauma 
just builds up in the back of your brain. You know, yeah. it goes into that that little cabinet and it stays and it stays and it stays. Yeah. Now what happens is at some point the trauma it has to be released in the body. You know, whether you have a mental breakdown or whether you cry, whatever, it has to come out. So what what you have with Parkinson's is the fact that the trauma is coming out of my body because I've not been able to mentally or emotionally deal with the trauma. Yeah. So it comes out of my body. So what you have when you have Parkinson's is, is an expanse of five things. You, you've got the word Parkinson. And then what you've got is you've got Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, Lewy bodies, Huntington's disease, and you've got Parkinson's. Yeah. So I've got Parkinson's post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. Oh, his connection's gone again. Oh, come back, yeah. Matthew. Which means that the trauma and the post-traumatic disorder with my body, you got me? Got you now. Have you got me? We got you. We've got you, mate. You got me? We've got you. We got you. We got you. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. Yeah. Post traumatic stress disorder. So, so basically, the post traumatic stress. What happens is the trauma comes out in the body, and it's part of the Parkinson. So what you have is the complexity of all the trauma in the body is coming out, and that with the frontal lobe brain trauma is, is my Parkinson's. So that is what I'm dealing with every day, obviously, and with mental health. And, it, and it's um, something that people don't realise when you're dealing with trauma is that if you don't deal with it, i.e. you don't get therapy or help or support or break down and cry mentally, it will come out and it will come out in different ways. With me, it's come out in Parkinson's. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Have, have, have you been told that by especially so? Yeah, yeah. The page, you know the page work I, I showed you earlier. The uh, that was with my narrative therapist. Yeah. So basically, what 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 I did was um, I did uh, normally you can do twelve weeks of narrative therapy, but at eighteen I started off with anger management. I did that for six weeks. Um, you know, and eighteen that's, that was just all fun to me. You know what I mean? I just sat there and I was only eighteen. I went, I have a clue what was going on. Yeah, I was yeah. Anger yeah, they said you're angry. I'm like, angry? Do I look angry? <laughs> oh, what are you saying? I'm angry. I'm a, you know, I'm, 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 I'm definitely not doing nothing wrong with me. I'm not angry. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Saturday night, 9 p.m. the wall. I'm sure you're watching. BBC One, 9 p.m. I don't remember. I'm from New Spain. No. Are, are, no, you, I mean, are you actually from East End? <laughs> I am, yeah. I, I was born in West Ham. Yeah, um, oh, yes. I was born in... Uh, sorry, Tony, you were saying? I am. Are you a big West Ham fan? No. No. Football fan? <laughs> no, I, I, I play soccer. Oh, yeah, that one, eh? Matt's too funny, you know. That old, that old, that old chestnut. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, you got to imagine we're going to American organ, audience. Oh, God, I can't even talk. That's the Parkinson's. We're going to American audiences. They're going to say football. No, so we need to really sort of say soccer. Just play, just, you know. But 
But no, yes. I was born in West Ham uh, in the old Plasto Hospital, which sits over Upton Park. I mean, literally was right on Upton Park. Um, my mum fell pregnant when she was 14. Um, so she, oh, she was about 15 and a half when she, she had yeah. me. Yeah. It's gone again. It's connection loss. Come and, back. Um, what happened was I went into the social care side. Of, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, you got me again? Got your butt, bro. We got me. We got you. We got you. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, let's go again. Matt's Matt's con- Matt's connections. Low. Yeah. So my mum was just said, "We got me again." Yes, mate. <laughs> we got you. We got you. We got you. Okay, Tony. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So your so, mum was fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, so that was put into the care system. So um, on my uh, birth certificate, it didn't have my dad's name or anything on it. So obviously when people call me a bastard, it's, um, yeah, they're right, you know. So you're a bastard. Okay, thanks very much. I know that. There's no name on, you know, I haven't got a dad's name on birth certificate. You know, you don't yeah. need to be rude like that, you know. So yeah. it's not a problem. If you want to call me a bastard, call me a bastard. Because it says there's no father's name on the birth certificate. But, you know, uh, if, if you're going to call me something else, they're not going to get upset. <laughs> but you'll take you'll take the offensive bastard and you you'd accept that would you and I go yeah I know him. yeah of course I yeah because that's what they called us if you didn't have your dad's name it's perfect oh man I love, <laughs> this, I love this guy man I love him I love him love, love this guy love him man love their approach uh, to everything I love your approach to everything yes so you you went into the care system uh well Presumably, when you were a baby, right? Yes, thanks. Yeah. Uh, how long? Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, well. Let's see. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's got to go, but I want to know how long. How long? I mean, you spent. with Bernardo's and all the. Uh, um. Can you? Got me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the problem, the problem with eBay is the bidding system. Um, you know, there were a lot of people bidding for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> what did you go for? How much did you go for? Well, nothing. That was the problem. So, they just bumped me outside the hospital. Oh, shit. I did get one bid. I'm sorry, mate. It was a nightmare. So, um, yeah, the poor family got stuck with me. You know, they, they were put straight in for a refund. Positive. No, I'm fine too, baby. Fair. You got taken back. You got to take. Yeah, post order. We're packaging. Don't worry. We're getting back to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny, man. Yeah. So how but long? No. Did, how long did you? Yeah, how, how long did you? I am um, spending the care system. And was it for all your childhood life, or? Uh, yeah. I mean, basically, I went into. Um, I was moved around in small foster families as a baby, and um, yeah. passed around because you can imagine having me as a baby. Oh my gosh, you know. So. Um, I've been passed around and then I was finally uh, put with a foster family in um, Buckinghamshire. Oh, wow. Not the... You know boy. what, yeah? I don't know if I can take him serious or not. You know? <laughs> Swear down. But Buckinghamshire, is that Buckingham, Buckingham Palace, maybe? No, sir. I'm talking about Buckinghamshire. It's a great pleasure. We only enjoy a little bit, at this present time, I'm waiting. <laughs> what I'm talking about. 
Oh, but yeah, it, Monty's head's just fucking blown off here. I'm telling you, man. I don't know. We're having that. Like, you have a conversation, and then it's like quite like, oh, it's your reality, your life, and then you just throw something in there, and it just makes me think whether it's it's Matt being serious here, are you trying to banter us? Well, I love it. I'm loving this episode, man. It's just. I love the approach to everything, to your life and how you've taken your upbringing and your journey and how you've actually embraced it. Because to be talking about you speaking to us, you have had a, a tough up, upbringing, but you've taken a different approach to it to become the person you are now. And it's amazing to see, man, and to hear oh, the way you speak. Yeah. But yeah. you're too funny, man. I love it, man. Tony, come on. Give me a brace, Tony. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. Oh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Have you had to chat? Have you had to chat, fella? Have you had to chat? Don't be close to me. Give me a distance, all right? Give me a distance, all right? If it's not had to chat, put your mask on. Back off. Let's have a little bit of space, all right, Tony? I haven't had any of the jobs, to be fair. I don't... Jabs? Nah. They're stuck in the backside. Ooh. Have you had that? Have you had your job? Have you had your job? Yeah, yeah. Both. yeah it was very emotional. Both of them. I don't. Um, no, I couldn't afford. I couldn't afford the second one. No. <laughs> <laughs> the price went up in the. I mean, obviously, like bidding war with the pharmacies um you know the astrazeneca and the Pfizer and the johnson's so i could afford the astrazeneca as soon as the uh, Pfizer got involved the bidding went straight up and uh it looked... oh it's got again <laughs> <laughs> i think these um my medication they were like i don't know how much medication this fellow 18 lots of medication 18 now charging charging <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah so Connection's gone uh, again, bro. Need sort of connection. I've been a lot taller. You know what I mean? I've, uh... Gone again. Oh, my days. You lost me. Yes. Connection oh, just keep uh, dropping off, me. mate. He's You've gone. got your butt now. Yeah, that, that's it. Because I'm on a boat. That's that's it, mate. You don't get much service on a boat in the middle of the sea. That's, yeah. that's fine. We know that. It's got that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just, I'm just off the... Uh... Hold on, so I'm losing you again. Yeah, right. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Take away. You're back. 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 You're Oh dear! Oh um, my God! Let's let's get back on convo. I'm the green ogre. I'm the green ogre. Twenty years. The green ogre. Do you know I can't eat people for twenty years because I'm into the owner. Green donkey. Oh God! 
Oh dear. Oh shit. Oh, oh god. Oh wow. Wow. You're not drinking early doors, are you, Matt? Is that me? Yeah, so, sorry. Uh, no, but now this is how it is, and it's a uh, uh, light latte martino. It wakes up your morning every morning with menu night. Don't forget, Tony, Danny, menu night, sponsored by Latino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, right. Let's 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 uh, gather me thoughts here. Let's get back on com though. I can't even remember where we were. You know. I can't remember anything, mate. Is it just being there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, you you spent all your childhood being passed around different foster families, right? There, there goes the water bottle. <laughs> I, have you got some sponsors here? You plugging your sponsors here, bro? Uh, don't say a lot. We've got a new movie coming out soon. <laughs> when you're doing your filming, you've got to make sure that the yeah, advertising makes you stay hydrated. Yes, hydrated. Hydration. 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 What I like to do is I like to have some wee Scottish character. And this is from the Scottish mountains, pure water, straight from the stones. <laughs> Bleeding from the stones. Oh God! Right, let's let me just let's gather let's gather shit up. Let's gather shit up. Right. So, I have actually forgot where we were. So, you spent all your childhood getting passed around different foster families. Yeah, yeah. And then I was in Buckinghamshire with one family. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they fostered other children. Um. So at the end of the day, yeah, you had you had social care. The social care system was always there. So if you were with the foster family, at the end of the day, you know, you'd have social care coming in and out, in and out. Yeah. You go to school, the schools are being told, you know, this kid's from the social care system, we're fostering him, we're gonna adopt him in the future, blah, blah blah. And it just goes on. And to be honest, I mean I knew probably from the age of four that I was you know, this wasn't my real mum and dad. Right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And there's nothing you can do about that at the end of the day. I mean, you know, it is what it is. So you get that rejection straight away. There is that rejection straight away because you are like, this is not my family. This is not my blood. Yeah, they're treating me well, but I don't belong here. You know? Yeah. I, I just don't. You know, is that, there's that saying, you know, they're saying you take the boy out of the East End, you can't take the East End out of the boy. And that's the truth because my genetics are my own genetics. So you can take a child from another family, but his genetics and his DNA are not going to be the same as that family. The genetics and DNA are still going to be from where that child came from. Yeah. yeah. And that is very much like mental health. Mental yeah. health runs in the family. Alcoholism runs in the family. Drug addicts run in the family. Gambling. It's part of the DNA. It's part of the genetics. Yeah. So you can take me out of East End, but my genetics are still going to come with me. Yeah. So if you put me in Buckinghamshire, which is very posh, Gerald's Cross, uh, Alphonse, Amersham, Aylesbury, you know, uh, Hemelheads, all around those areas. But the point is the genetics are still in me. So I'm still that child from the East End. Yeah. And so I'm growing up aware that I don't fit in. 
I'm growing up aware that there's problems. I mean, um, my foster family had an old English sheepdog. You know the ones in the paint? You know the big, white, fluffy ones that they paint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible dog it was. Uh, big, big, fat, fluffy thing. Always in all the shows, you know, get first place. And, uh, you know, what's, what's that dog show thing called? Scruffs. Scruffs. Uh, I don't know. The one where they, um, yeah, doggy. You know, they, they get you standing on the thing. Anyway, they, dog shows. And uh, it was an horrible dog. And uh, he didn't like me and I didn't like him. And uh, I had a box of Maltesers. I put them on the side. And I was seven years old. And the, the dog ate the Maltesers. So I just picked up a knife and tried to stab him to death. Really? Yeah, I was seven years old. No way. Yeah, that's that, a big truth, yeah. Yes, no way. So what, what happened then, from there then? Did, did, obviously, did the family well, witness this happening or? Well, they buried the dog. They killed the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker. You motherfucker. What the fuck? I don't, I don't know. With Matty, I don't know if it's in love, stay serious, because he'd been on banter for the whole episode. Yeah. Which is good. I know. But it's just like if you 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 you're communicating and sharing something so serious, and then you start laughing. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. You know why? I tell you what. The truth is that. So the, the story with the Maltesers is true, and the story is that I did try to stab the dog at seven years old. Yeah. Um, but until they stopped me. But what? So on a serious note, that did happen. But that was the level of anger that I was feeling at seven years old from the fact that I didn't belong. Yeah. The fact that seven years old, I know this is not my home. This is not my family. I'm not supposed to be here. Where's my mum? Where's my dad? Yeah, and yeah. I was aware of that. Now, I was in school, five years old. And uh, I said to the teacher, uh, this is true, five years old. I said to the teacher, what time do we finish? And, you know, and she said, when you're 16. And I looked at her and I was like, you know, I'm five years old. I'm like, what do you mean when I'm goes, You'll be in school till you're 16. And at that point, and I don't know how, I was five years old, I felt for the next the age of five or 16, I would be in a prison. For me, it was prison. And all I was going to do was escape it. I was not going to go to school from the age of five to 16. And I would do anything I could not to be in school. Now, obviously, yeah. I was, all I was asking was, is it going to finish at three o'clock? But how at five years old did I know that was going to be like a prison? What in my mind was saying, you're going to be in a prison cell? But for me... All the way through child, all the way through school, we've been in a prison. Wow, Matt, a quick, a quick question. You see, like obviously as a five-year-old, and you've been in a different family that was basically looking after you and <laughs> raising you. That wasn't your family in regards of blood related. At any point, did they made you feel like? you wasn't part of their family for you to have them things in your head or was it just naturally you thinking like that as a five-year-old? Um, you just, you, you're just aware because you've got social services coming in and out all the time. Yeah. You know, there were social services dealing with the foster children, my foster stuff. There were social services coming in and checking on me. There were social services going to school. Every time you went from one school to another school, that was made aware of your situation and circumstance. So it's always in your face. Yeah. Yet 
when I, when I came to talk about it and I wanted to talk about it to my foster mum and dad, I would get a brick wall. I wouldn't I wouldn't get any answers. So then what that did is cause me to become more and more angry and frustrated. And um, you know, so let's, let's get something clear. My name's not Matt, and I'm being serious. Now. My name's Colton. Okay, that's my name. Colton. But my real name, yeah, Colton. That is my real name. Okay. Now, so on my birth certificate, my name is Colton, but then I was given another name. Um, obviously, with the for families, and when there's another certificate done, and then I rechanged it by default. So, you know, it's, it's hard. What's your name? Well, actually, I went. Actually, a funny story. A funny story. I went to get married. So uh, I'm sitting there with my, my wife to be, and uh, they're going for it. And they went, okay, Colton. And my wife looked at me and said, "It's Colton." I went, "Me?" She said, "We've been together two years. We're getting married. And you're now telling me your name's Colton." I said, well, you never asked. <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck? I was like, she's like, you know, but you don't ask me what my name is. You're the one who called me Matt. I didn't need to tell you I was called Colton. I said, you get married, you know now. <laughs> wow. Did you get married in the end? Huh? Did you get married in the end? Are you, are you married now then? Gone again. The connection's gone again. Say again? Yeah, it's a lovely day out. You got me? You got me now? We got you. Got you, we got you. Yeah, you were saying about my wedding? Yeah, are you married now then? Yeah, sorry. You were saying about my wedding? No, it was, it was just a lovely day out. No, I'm saying, are you, are you married now then? <laughs> I think he's swerving it, bro. He's swerving it. <laughs> It was a nice day out. Everyone had fun, you know. It was fun, smart. It was great. You see? <laughs> oh, oh my god! Have you ever been? Have you not been? Have you, I've been married twice. The other one was um, I got married to Gretna Green. Oh, that was fantastic. You know what I mean? You just eloped, ran up there. I was I was young, good looking, handsome. Um, you know, fit, great shape, a lot of money. You know, anyway, enough about me. Um, so I went to um, <laughs> Red the Green. <laughs> and got married. That, was another, that was another win. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever been to Great the Green? It's lovely. I haven't, mate. Where is it? In Scotland, you just start there and get married. No, you mate. Just, no, I've no, not been there. Yeah, basically, basically, what you do is just go there. You don't have to, no one knows. You can just go up there. Going to like this little sort of chapel with it's lovely with a little spring water and guy plays the bagpipes. <laughs> and like you just say, I don't, you know, they offer you the ring and you're like, put it on the little finger. Why, why, why the little finger? I'm not taking fucking serious, am I? Put it on the little finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Wow. So, from the, from all the anger as a child, and really what, what could have um, kind of depressed that a bit was um, people being open and honest with you, really. Would you think? If, if, if people were honest with you about your situation from such a young kid, 
do you think it might have eased things a little bit? Um, or not? I, I think I think at the end of the day, the rejection was to serve as a child, and I was just full of anger. Yeah, so much anger. The anger was there. I, I remember there were two kids um, who, who were twins, and um, I was about nine years old. And they got a steel bar and they smashed it around my kneecap. And, uh, and I've still got a scar there now. Yeah. And um, I, they um, fractured one side of my kneecap. Now, I don't know how, but a couple of months later, obviously I'm hobbling around, I got a tennis racket and I took it to both their heads. And, you know, I absolutely battered their heads with a tennis racket. I'm nine years old. Now, the police turn up at the door and, you know, the foster mum's like, yeah, the with the accusations, we've got two children here. You know, they're, they're, they're you know they're they're ten years old. They've been back around the head with tennis racket. You know, who's your son? And they're like, well, he's nine years old. And the police yeah. are like, what? You know, and that was just my life. That was just me. Yeah. That was just the anger in me that I didn't belong. I didn't belong here. This is not where I'm supposed to be. So. You know, I wasn't a bully and I wasn't horrible, but that trauma was already there. And I don't know if that trauma went back to being a child and it was just there because I can remember a lot of stuff. So, you know, um, you see, the problem is this, the foster care system is fantastic. You know, the people adopting foster and I love it and I've got the utmost respect. But there's always going to be a lot of things you see that are going to cause you a great level of distress. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously I've been through that and, um, my coping mechanism, uh, Oh, I see you. Um, is laughter, is humor. That's yeah. Sorry, Sorry, mate, we lost you a bit there. That's right. Humor and laughing is my coping mechanism. That is how I deal with everything that goes on around me. That's yeah. how I deal with anxiety. That's how I deal with stress. That's how I deal with, with all that's gone in my life. I have to deal with it. It's like compart- you've got to compartmentalize what's going on. Yeah. So if I'm on here with you right now, you know, you're Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. Thanks, so mate. how am I going to deal with that? <laughs> a big old joint in your hand there. Um, so, uh, <laughs> lovely, lovely. No dog. Yeah, switch there's on. No dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you compartmentalise everything, and and you, the way you do it is humour. So, if you you know, humour has been the mask that deals with my anxiety, my depression, my mental health when I've suffered suicidal thoughts, you know, it's always been humour. Humour yeah. is a way to deal with things. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, hey, my name's Bernie. What's up with the Bernie about? I love you. <laughs> you love me. We're a happy family. <laughs> hey, everybody. We're on the Joe Rogan Show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Monty, you like a bit of Bernie then, do you? All right. Matt, Matt, Matt. What, what should we call you then? What can I call you, Matt? <clears throat> <laughs> Matt. Just wipe your feet on me. Yeah. 
I'm gonna call you Matt. Been calling you Matt the whole episode. <laughs> you can't change now, mate. Can't change. No, it'll confuse, it'll confuse everyone. Matt, you know, obviously you said your coping mechanism is humor and laughter, right? When when you're feeling all these emotions, obviously when you're thinking all this, so. The things that we are scared to talk about, right, as humans. After you've had your humour and you've laughed and you've had sort of like to an extent masked how you're genuinely feeling and then you feel good, do you then feel like you can speak to someone about what you are genuinely feeling? Or do you just carry on with your day normal? To be honest, the way I deal with the dark side of it, because, you know, Parkinson's, what people don't realise, Parkinson's is a high level of mental health in Parkinson's, and people, not many people are aware of that. But when I go into dark places, and I do go into dark places, I will just, everyone has got their own coping mechanism. Now, humour, and laugh is one coping mechanism. But yeah. when the pain is unbearable, when I can't cope, when I'm having nightmares, insomnias, flashbacks, triggers, the only thing I can do is go and lay down, take as many guys and pan as I can take, and just chill. And that now that may last for three hours, or that may last for three days. It's depending how dark it goes. Because I don't want to be in a situation where I'm being horrible to people, I'm being unpleasant, I'm being angry. I want to be in a position where, okay, I'm going for a bad time, I'm just going to go and lie down, you know, and lock myself away and isolate myself. So one of the, I suppose, coping mechanisms, as you say, is isolation. I isolate myself. I will totally isolate myself from, from anyone and anything. If I feel that darkness, that heaviness, that suppression on me, I will go and lie down in a dark place and be on my own. Because I've got to wait until that passes over. So because yeah. you've got to look at this, Monty, it's, it's like um, if something triggers me now, if I have a flashback, if something happens, what happens is you don't stir up. Now, say I'm in a car right now, but the geezer goes past me, it's the thing is that. And away you see twat and all that. So. You get angry. But the problem is, I won't get angry. I'll have, not just because he stuck his fingers up on me, yeah? It triggers five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, 35 years. It triggers all those emotions. Yeah. And that means that you've now got 40 years of anger in you triggered. And you're ready to explode. And there's nothing that can stop it. Because of the front, frontal lobe brain trauma, because of PTSD, because I have this trigger, nothing can stop the explosion. So when one person cuts me up, they're getting 40 years of trauma coming out of my body. Wow. Wow. And, and you've got to remember that because that trauma is in the back lobe of my brain, it's being released to the front lobe and it's coming out. So... I, for me, I, I do isolate. I, I do separate myself away. Um, I don't go out a lot because of the Parkinson's. 
Um, and I can't because my right leg is as good as it should be. Um, but if somebody starts on me, you're going to get 40 years of trauma coming out. You're not just going to get... And that, that is the one thing I cannot control because of the Parkinson's and because of the treatment and, and the brain trauma, I cannot control the trigger. The trigger goes, 40 years of trauma comes out. Yeah, <clears throat> I get that. And I get, I get the isolation um, part of it because that's what I tend to do. But before I go into that period of isolation, I always make sure um, like I speak to my wife first or speak yeah, to my wife. Uh, I, I, I always make sure I speak to someone before I just go go bed and sleep it off. Because <clears throat> before I used to do I used to do the isolation thing, I used to go bed or just be on my own without telling anyone. So then everyone would be like, Where where is he? Are you okay? Like then I'd be making other people worried then. So as long as I've spoke to say my wife and say, listen, I'm on a shit time at the moment. I can't put it, I can't put my finger on why at the moment, but I'm on a shit time. I'm I'm going to bed. Um and then once I've had that period of rest, that's when I kind of wake up fresh and I'm like, ah, that's what triggered me off. Something happened previously and uh, a few days ago. And I think that's it. Um, and most of the time, like you say, I can't, you can't control a trigger. You can't control no. a trigger. You can, you can only control how you deal with that trigger. And like you say, the isolation period for yourself, and I do it as well occasionally, it does work. It does work. But I think it'll only work if you do it the right way. <clears throat> like it can be quite dangerous if you do it without really acknowledging why you're doing it. Because if you don't acknowledge why you're doing it, that then brings on other different thoughts of like, why, why are you doing this? And then it's not, the thought process just builds up and builds up and builds up. So as long as you're doing that isolation period right, it's perfect, man. It's perfect. And like with the, with the anger that builds up within you, that's 35, 40 years of like hurt and anger and like you say, all them feelings of rejection and that. It must. Do you get headaches? Do you get headaches? No. No. You say, I mean, when you, t- I mean, you, you were saying you tell your, your wife about it. Yeah. The problem is I can't. I can't ring my ex-wife. I don't really want to tell her that I'm struggling. Yeah. Well, you you got you you got me, bro. You got me. You message me. You got us here, man. Yeah. My ex-wife. She 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 doesn't answer the phone. Telling me. That's why she divorced me. Oh, come on. <laughs> Obviously, we, Matt, in regards to well, that, we know, we know we can laugh it off. And, and the reason why we can, I think the way we did a podcast is because it's something that's so upsetting, so dark. We try and bring light to it. But also, I, I, I can't, you know, because of the level of anger, because of the level of trauma where I've witnessed, because I know so much that's gone on um, in my time involved in things, 
I can't share that. I can't speak about that. So yeah. that anger is there. Now that anger with my PTSD is really bad. I'm not going to cover up and go. It is. It is like the monster inside of me. So I need to just go to my room, go to sleep. Yeah. If the Parkinson's get bad, that can wipe me out three or four days. Now the Parkinson's will get bad. Oh, we lost you. Come back, Matthew. Because the trauma's trying to come out. The trauma's yeah. trying to get me. We got you. Yeah, sorry. Got you. The Parkinson's, you got me? You got me? I got you. You got me? I got you. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Okay. That's <laughs> you. You're good, Tony. You're good, Tony. That's you. Um, the point is that the, the trauma in your body comes up. So many people don't realize it. We've all, um, with Parkinson's, people look at Michael J. Fox and they say, okay, you know, he's 28 years old when he got it. Um, but, and they sit and we talk about Muhammad Ali and they go, okay, it's boxing and the brain trauma. Yeah. But what people don't realize is that it's a massive amount of 40 different symptoms. There are 40 different symptoms that make Parkinson's. And those symptoms, for me, is the trauma within my body, the complexity of the PTSD coming out that causes it. So my body will literally, it just, it goes like stone, like brick. My leg goes like brick. It feels like concrete. My hands tremor really bad. Um, and that dark place is a dark place, and it takes a long time for me to get out of it. Now, sometimes it is just a case of me if I look at therapy, which I've got nothing but respect for, obviously I was 18 when I did anger management and I did six weeks. I didn't take it seriously because 18, I would, did not even know what mental health was. Yeah. Then at 26, I did addictive uh, drug addiction recovery. Okay. Um, I blew 80,000 pounds on cocaine. I was taking steroids. I was taking amphetamine. I was smoking, um, I don't know, maybe 15 joints a day. I, you know, at the end of the day, I was on Billy Weez. I was drinking a bottle of whiskey a day. So at the end of the day, when you're in concoction about that, you're a monster. Now, I, I did the drug addiction, but what's the point in doing drug addiction therapy if I'm not in, you know, rehab? Because they, they couldn't afford to put me in rehab because it's going to cost them 5000 a week. Yeah. So I, that was a waste of time. When I, I come to 32, I did cognitive therapy. At that point, I did 12 weeks. I realized I had mental health. It wasn't until I was 32 that I realized I had mental health. Now, at 39, they then put me into EMDR, which is for military veterans, which is a high level of trauma due to, to death. Yeah. So I uh, did 16 weeks of EMDR. That's when they said you've got post-traumatic stress disorder. At 43 was when I did narrative therapy. So narrative therapy is when you have a psychologist come in who is a qualified psychologist to identify what are the areas of trauma in your body and in your mind. Yeah. What are they psychologically, mentally, physically, where are they compartmentalized, where are they placed for you? I, you get a standard 16 weeks. I got to 18 weeks and now I did 24 weeks. That's a cutoff. There is no more therapy for me because I've been in therapy since the age of 18 and I've done all the therapy up to the age of 43. Now, if I wanted therapy, obviously I'd have to pay, I can go and pay privately. 
But I have done, the government have been brilliant. The NHS has given me all the therapy they can give me, and I can't knock that, and I won't knock that, because they've been absolutely amazing with, you know, with supporting me with mental health. I've been under the mental health team. I've been under the hospital's mental health team. I've had the best specialists when it comes to Parkinson's. I've had the best neurologists when it comes to my brain trauma. Yeah. So I've got nothing but respect for the NHS and all they've done to help me. But I've run... Oh, Tony, he's gone. I'm out with my quotes. Now, the problem is this. There's parts of my brain. That... You got me? We got your butt, bro. Yes, Tony. Yes, Tony. Yes, Tony. That's a banger, bro. That's a good impression, bro. Loving it. He's too sick. Yeah, so back. So back with where were we? Um, the PTSD. So, the end of the day, I have done almost all, all the therapy from I can physically do, I've done. There is no more I, I can do other than go private. Now, the problem is this. In the back of my mind, there are still cabinets that I've not opened, I've not dealt with, I've not talked about. Yeah. And that's after having 23, 25 years of therapy, I still haven't been able to talk about things. Wow. Why do you think that is? Um, I just can't, I can't, it won't come out, it just won't come out. And I suppose, you know, as, as, as we go along, I've gone through so much in my life that it's not physically possible for me to release it because so much stuff I know and I've been involved in, so much I've gone through, Yeah. Um, I've cut myself off, you know, using the comedy, using humour, um, detaching myself from it you get to a point where you lose so many people whether it be by death, suicide murder, drug overdoses that you detach yourself from a situation so you um, disassociate yourself I am very dissociated in yeah. the fact that I can dissociate myself from a situation because that's my coping mechanism how does someone cope I dissociate myself, I cut off so with the, so basically you, you, all the build up of <clears throat> anger and feelings. So you've gone through, um, you've gone through the care system as a kid. Uh, you've been in the military, right? No, I wasn't military. I served alongside the military. So you long. So you, you see, you've seen some, you've seen some bad shit during that time. So that's then built up. Um, over the like, if you look at it as if like um, a fucking shelf of pressure or shelf of stress, you've got your childhood, which you grew up um, with care. Then you've got your, your things that you saw working alongside the military, and then what's next? What what was after that? Because obviously the things that you've seen in the military is built up on top of the childhood. Basically. I, I... I was, um, for five years, I, I was living with He's gone. Yeah. Military family, they were the Irish guards. And yeah. uh, I was, I was, so I spent a lot of time in, I, mean, I spent a lot of time in Bangor, which is in Northern Ireland. And I was out there, you know, when the so-called peace process was taking place. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, all right. So there was some serious stuff going on out there at that point. Um, and I was, you know, 
heavily involved in some stuff there. Yeah. I was back and forth to England. Um, and there comes a point where my relationship with that young lady, she left me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's gone again. He's back. Is he back? Yeah, you know. No, back. Am I here? Yeah, back. Yeah, back. Sorry, sorry, darling, sweetie. Sorry, darling, sweetie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Nice. Yeah, he's sorry. back. He's back. I'm back. Sorry, I was just getting all emotional then. Uh, that's fine, bro. That's fine. No, no, because no, she was supposed to marry me. She walked out two weeks for the wedding. That was another one. Oh, I man. Matt, 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 are you serious this time, though? Huh? Are you being serious this time, or? Boy, yeah. No, no, she did. Yeah, she oh. walked out two weeks. Well, I was with her five years. Wow. We bought a house together. Um, yeah. got everything sorted, and two weeks before the wedding, she, I was, I was in the gym working in the gym, and I got a phone call. Said I'm leaving now. No um, way. Wow. Yeah, that is absolutely true. I was uh, twenty, I was twenty-one, and my brain just ripped. I remember coming. Back. We've been coming home to this brand new house I paid 175 grand for, you know, in uh, 1998. Yeah, yeah. All done up new. I'm getting married in two weeks and my fiance is gone. Wow. And not only did I lose her, but, you know, because her family were military, you know, they're the Irish guards, they took me in. I was, I was with them. They, they loved me like their own son, you know, so I spent five years with them. I didn't just lose her. I lost them as a family as well. Yeah. And that sent me crazy. I remember just coming home and sitting on my bed, looking around, and, and all I did, I just cried and cried and cried. And I was screaming out. And, I was, and at that point, I was 20, 20 years old, I started screaming, like, Mum, where are you? Dad, where are you? Yeah. So why, why did you leave me? Why have you left me? And I just sat there crying. I must have been there for hours. Oh. And um, I, I couldn't cope with the fact of that rejection again. Yeah, so yeah. I was taking him by the military family. I was engaged uh, to the daughter. I was in a happy place. I loved her. I just got a house of her. We booked the wedding. And then two weeks before getting married, we're talking about having children as well. She walked out. Fuck's sake, man. That's fucking devastating, isn't it? Because, I mean... It, 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 it was devastating. It ripped me apart. It was literally like a knife and just ripped me out. And that triggered the rejection. And I was sitting there and I was trying to... I was just crying and screaming and smashing up the room. And, and I was crying for my mum and dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going, where are you? You know, and I, you know, I don't know what next maybe is thinking, but I was screaming and shouting and crying as an adult man. And I was crying out for mum and dad. And that's, you know, that is the rejection side coming out at 20 years old because of a, a reaction of the fact that this person has just left me. Yeah. I had no answer why. Not only did I lose her, I lost her, her family who had become my family. And, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that, that must have been fucking, like I say, just, just devastating, man, because... Obviously, the, the stuff you've been through previously is enough to, you know, enough for anyone to deal with in a lifetime. But then that's just added more, more, 
it's grief, isn't it? It's grief because you're grieving for yet again another loss, right? And it's fucking heartbreaking, bro. Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that, that was a serious thing. And and so what happened then was that it created a monster. Yeah. You know that yeah. that that incident created a monster. That yeah. incident created more steroids, more cocaine, more cannabis, more whiskey, more Valium, more speed. So there I am now as a bodybuilder, taking all these drugs. I'm angry. I'm violent. I'm now doing door work. I'm now working alongside some guys um, in the military doing private contracting. And I'm just turning into a pit bull. I'm basically a pit bull. Just a quick one because I, I forgot how to do something for my for my little lad and that to help my missus. And I'm gonna have to shoot off. But mate, as soon as things like social media is back to normal, I will give you a message. Your story's incredible. Keep being the man you you are, keep inspiring. Your journey is powerful. And I wish I and I hope I could have stayed longer to listen to the rest of it. I just know my DMs, Bids' DMs, the podcast DMs are always open for you and anyone that you know, anyone that needs to speak to someone, just don't hesitate to message us. And I will catch up with you next week as well. And we'll have another laugh, man. It's been amazing. And you brought some light to my day today because I was very low today, man. Tony, me and you, you know, we're a family. I'm Mikasa Sukaj. Gracias. Yes, bro. Take it easy, man. Have a good have a good day. Just me and uh, just me and yeah, just me and Matt. We'll continue. We'll continue. So see you later, bro. So with the after all that after all that had happened, you said it created a monster. So um so effectively, do you feel that you became dangerous? Extremely. Yeah. So also you're working, you're working on the doors. Uh, you're doing other. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're doing other bits for the um, military as well. <sighs> Was there anything that came of that which did become dangerous for you? Did. Yeah, because obviously at that point, you know. I didn't, at that point, you become to that point where you don't care what you're taking, you're going to take, you're going to take anything because you just don't care because at the end of the day, you feel you've lost everything. So that monster becomes part of you. Yeah. Um, and the combination of the drugs, the combination of my mental health, the combination of childhood trauma, yeah. the combination of my anger and loneliness at that point because, you know, all I wanted was a 2.4 family, you know, nice house, my little children, a garage, a normal job. Yeah. What I wanted was that. And I, and I, I couldn't get it. I yeah. could not get that 2.4 family. As much as I wanted with all my heart to get the 2.4 family, I couldn't get it. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I was having affairs. I was going with women. I, you know, as many women as I wanted. And I didn't really care. Um, and then I did get with someone. And I had my first daughter. Um, she's now 21. Yeah. But obviously, like, she's not in my life. Now, I love her with all my heart. I, even though I've had no connection, you know, I miss most of childhood. I had a few years of her, 
and then I haven't seen her now since uh, she was 13. I think she's 21 now. Um, but she's gone through her own trauma, and yeah. I love her with all my heart, but she, she's not going to allow me back into her life. Um, but I can't judge that. I can't be angry with that, because at the end of the day, I was a terrible dad. I let her down. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I let her down. So she is angry with that, and I have to respect that. I have to respect that, and I have to say I love her with all my heart. I miss all my heart. If she has chosen not to have me in her life, and if she's happy, then that's what it matters. Yeah. And, and then today, it's that skimming of a stone in a pond, isn't it? When you, when you skim a stone, it creates a wave, and that wave just keeps going and going and going. And what you've got is that, as I said to you, there comes a generational thing. Yeah. A generational thing where my mum was young, trauma, she had me. I go through trauma with foster families. I don't know how to be a dad. I'm getting involved in some dangerous stuff. I'm having affairs everywhere. And now I'm not around as a dad. And the trauma is just going on from generation to generation to generation. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not good. Yeah. So with, with the, all the dangerous stuff you got in, we spoke, we spoke before we started recording. Uh, yeah. You're actually... Your story is actually in, is it the Rise of the Foot, Rise of the Foot Soldier? Yeah. yeah um, so I met um, uh, my uh, first wife. I can't remember. I can't remember any wives I've had. I'm not, <laughs> I, I've been engaged 12 times, but honestly, I can't remember any wives I've had. Yes. That's the <laughs> problem with partners. There's just memory loss. Yeah, Did that's you know it. That? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I sit there and I'm like, which wife was it? The first one. Yeah. It was a great degree. I went to Great was it. Yeah. So anyway, she found uh I had the details because my name is Cole and I had to pay to work. I had the details. It was a Thursday morning, uh January, sorry, February the fifteenth, two thousand and one. It's seven thirty in the morning, I'm training the gym, I'm doing the weights, and that trigger goes. That little trigger goes in my head. Mm. And I go, I'm going to go and find my dad. Yeah. I'm going to, but I pumped myself up. I was pumped and so I'm going to go and find my dad and I'm going to nut him, nut him head. I'm going to smash him to pieces because yeah. he left me. Yeah. I'm not going to find my dad because I love him. I'm going to yeah. find my dad and say, here I am. I'm your son. You know, look what you've done to me. You've created a monster. Yeah. Anyway, so I've got my dad's details. It was a Thursday morning. Me and a couple on Gary, the Gary, like six foot seven, um, dangerous guy, <laughs> crazy and dangerous. Uh, <laughs> he came with me, you know. So we drove all the way from um, just outside Watford, all the way down to um, Brentwood, obviously in Essex. Yeah. And uh, I went to the door, and then I froze, and I thought I can't do it. So I walked back to Gary, and Gary goes, "What's the matter with you? You know, what are you doing?" I went, I can't do it. He goes, we've just driven from Watford down to where you've got me out of bed. I've been on Charlie all night. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm ready for a fight. I'm like, <laughs> Gary, 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 calm down, mate. I just, I just need to meet my dad, you know, if he's doing yeah. what. And Gary's like, well, let's go and get McDonald's. So off we go to McDonald's, you know, and they're ordering the children's McDonald's. And, and, like, and he's like, you know, you know your payment today. And I'm like, what's that? He goes, 
bought my dinner and I said, got like a big pile of McDonald's food. And I'm sitting like, what am oh. I going to do? I need to, I need to go back to the house and deal with it. Yeah. So we go back to the house about 11 o'clock in the morning. I knocked on the door and um, one of my sister's mums answered the door and she's like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm looking for a guy called Colton. She was like, and she started crying. And I was dead. He started crying. She's like, you're Colton's son. And I went, yeah, I'm Colton's son. Yeah. And she was just, she said, you're the image of him. And she started crying because I wasn't expecting that reaction. I wasn't yeah. expecting to go to the door and a young woman who was only a few years older than me, she's standing there crying going, oh my God, you're the image of your dad. You know, I know, I know who you are that way. So she, she's embracing me crying. So now wow. all my, my, my feelings and emotions are changing. Yeah. Gary's like, I'll put the guns away now. You know. Fucking um, <laughs> okay, no. hell. He, he put the bass in the back in the back of the car. Yeah, you know, uncleat the nine millimeter, you know, um, and you know, so I'm standing in their car, and she invites me in, and I look at some pictures, and I'm like, I know that guy, and she's like, that's your dad, and I went, no, he's one of the Essex boys. No way. She went, she went, you know, your dad's best friend was Tony Tucker. You know, the guys all died. I, I know they died in the rain over. I said, Dad, their head's blown off. No. And, and uh, she's like, that's you know, that's your dad. He's the last surviving member. And of course, Gary, now Gary being six or seven and a half, man. Yeah. He's gone. We'll get you back in a minute. I'm now sure. you can have a hard man in your, in your local park. You can have a hard man. You're dealing with gangland and you're dealing with the underworld. That is a totally different ball game. Yeah. yeah. So Gary's gone wide. He's like, whoop. And I looked at him. I was like, you know. Yeah. And then I... I'm like, uh, then he's straight on the phone. Gary's gone outside to throw his guts up because he's no longer the odd guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gary's like this big now. He's gone from six foot seven, twenty stone steroids to like this, like a little Lego character. Yeah. So, and, um, so you've gone, you've gone with your mate. Right. You've gone with your mate, who's this big, big unit. You know, he's he's a, he's obviously open for. Ready for a fight, and then you've knocked right. on the yeah, you've you've knocked on the door, um, and then you found out that your dad's uh, the only surviving member of the Essex boys, and then he's he's you know you've realised then who, who he is, and and obviously yeah, you make you, you make like shit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and he's yeah. crapping himself. He's, yeah, he's outside crapping himself. So I I I walk into the living room and I'm looking around like, and I obviously like I'm like. My brain's in two things. First of all, I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at myself, I'm a steroids, I'm a bodybuilder. I've always done security. I've done work I'm fixed with the military by the side of them. Yeah. I'm full of anger, trauma. And then I'm suddenly thinking, hold on, my dad's 41. He's only 41. Yeah. And he's, he's this gangster. You know, he is gangster. He's yeah. He's this gangster. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think, this is my dad gangster so my dad is a gangster and the daddy gets on the phone and she rings and, and i and and i can hear my dad in the background on the phone asking questions you know asking this is this you, is this wind up is this joke? yeah we'll have him back in a minute asking 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 and within 15 you still with me got yeah. you got you so, so yeah okay so within 15 minutes so i walked in the living room 
and my dad walked through the door and it was like looking in a mirror because yeah he, he looked just like me he was built like freak uh, covered in tattoos uh, yeah there's no way i could beat him up <laughs> it was huge yeah and, and, I, and i just looked at him and i went all right dad long time no see yeah long time no see right wow and it just looked like, I'm so nice, see? And it, it, you know, and we just embraced and cried and held each other and we just cried and cried and cried. Um, and it, but the thing was, it was a mirror image. I was, like I said earlier, that gene, that genetic, that DNA from the East End of London was yeah. still in me. You could now see it in my dad because he was the old, he was my dad, you know, yeah. and I was his son. So there was no, uh, going on to, um, what's he called, Jeremy Carl. Didn't he go on Jeremy Carl and do DNA <laughs> test? And, yeah. You know, put over the, okay, da, 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 da. I didn't do all that, you know, Jeremy Carl. Yeah, it was there. Evidence. You never do, you know, you know, have a DNA test from Jeremy Kyle and get paid to go and stay in the hotel for the night. Yeah. You know, and uh, no, I didn't need to do that. You could see I was his son and you could see he was my dad. Yeah. And um, the emotion was just huge. And that day, I got to meet my, my all my sisters, um, and I got to meet my nan and granddad. I got to meet my aunties, my uncles, um, and and I, 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 you know, and I, and I said, my dad said to me, you know, son, I'm not a gangster. Yeah. Okay, so I'm trying to now. I've got all these emotions. My dad's got all these emotions. He's saying, please don't look at me as a gangster. I'm just your dad. And we, you know, my dad went, we, we went everywhere to see everyone. We were yeah. moving around, we were seeing everyone. And of course, when you're in, in the underworld, it, it, it's, it's like the Italians, it's like the mouth, you've got to be respectful. So everyone has to kiss my dad on the cheek, show respect. Wow. Now everyone's kissing me on the cheek. They have to show you respect. Because at the end of the day, you're the son. Yeah. So you're, I'm the son now. I'm not, now, no, I'm not the son now, just looking for a dad. I'm now the son of somebody. Yeah. Or somebody in her authority in her position. So suddenly I'm getting all these people showing me respect. And I'm like, what is going on? Just come here to find my dad. You know, and all these people come up kissing on the cheek. You know, basically, yeah, it was good fellas. That's mad. That's mad. Basically, it was good fellas. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to deal with. Wow. All the emotion. And people, you know, people say, about, you know, who is your dad? What is your dad? He is just my dad. That is all I can say. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't understand or say anything else. Um, I will always love him. I love him with my heart. Um, but he's just my dad. Now, we are not in each other's lives at present time. Again, that's because of other things going on. Yeah. But the point is, he's just my dad and I love him with my and that is just how it is. I can't describe. You make your own choices, okay? You've got to make your own choices in life. Now, he said to he sat me down, and he said, "Son, I need to tell you something." I said, "Yes, sir." And this is right at the beginning. He said, "You've got it's a choice you've got to make." I said, "What's that?" He said, "You've got to understand that you find me today, you have now put yourself in danger for the rest of your life." And I went, "What do you mean?" He said, "Those." My enemies will seek to shoot you and kill you to get me. Yeah. And if I hurt you by taking you away, 
is hurting me and that's how they're going to come so for the rest of your life you're now going to need to look over your back and wow. at that wow. point at that, at that point I'm like I need to protect my children I've got a wife I've got a daughter I need to protect them yeah uh, because at the end of the day now they're a target because if I'm in a car with my wife and my, my baby daughter somebody comes up and puts a bullet through the windows you can understand the mental. So my dad's worried because his son's turned up, and now I'm the target. Yeah. I'm worried my children are the target, and it's this. It's just like bam. Yeah. And it becomes an explosion because work gets out. That my dad's son's arrived. Um, at the time, he'd just done the TV series Hard Bastards with Kate Cray. He'd just um, done the books Hard Bastards with Kate Cray, um, and. <clears throat> He was released in the book Muscle about gangland and the underworld. And by then, I was just consumed. I was sucked in. And all I wanted was my dad. All I wanted was my, love, my dad's love. All I wanted was to get to know my dad. Yeah. But at this point, I'm neglecting my own daughter and wife because I'm trying to deal with being the son of my dad. And by now, the gangland books come out. Well, the gangland's books come out. It's got pictures of us, obviously, in the fraternity. Um, it's got pictures of, of, of me. It's got my, my, that day meeting my dad, it's got the life story, you know, but it's coming from my dad's perspective, not mine. Yeah. It's not my perspective. I didn't write those words in that book. That's my dad's perspective, not mine. Yeah. Got you. So I'm now suddenly dealing with this level of fame. Just fame, being in gangland, being in the underworld, being in books, when all I did was this, this young kid looking for his dad. Yeah, that's mad. That that's it's like it's like going back to you becoming a target. Like obviously, there's a lot of I think I told you before. Like that I watch a lot of uh, big like gang series and documentaries on Netflix. And like you say, you becoming that target does you know kind of when you watch these programs, um, it makes sense because you've come into your dad's life you become a target but also whoever's connected to you becomes a target like you say because whoever's after um, your dad will go for you but if they can't get you they'll go for yeah anyone like your daughter or whoever just to hurt you so hurting yeah. you hurts your dad it's like that um ripple effect isn't it Again, we've got this generational ripple effect. Yeah. So what's happening is now the level of my anger, the level of how dangerous I am, the level of my violence has just tripled on top of the fact that I'm already like that in the first place. Yeah. So my mental health is now skyrocketing. Yeah. Because I'm trying to cope with it. And I've got a young wife. I've got a young baby. My young wife can't cope with it. My, 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 you know, I've got a baby I'm trying to deal with. I'm yeah. now leaving the gym. You know, I'm, I'm a gym. I'm, I'm, I run the gym. Gym's full of, you know, bodybuilders. Everyone knows, suddenly everyone knows who my dad is. Is an explosion of fear. Suddenly people are fearing me, and I'm like, yeah. why are you fearing me? I'm mad. But then suddenly it's changing. You know, a bit like Big Gary. Yeah. Gary was a big tough guy. Yeah. He could have a snap, but now Gary fears me. You know, and and everyone around you starts to fear you. So you suddenly start to get this level of authority, 
this level of power, this level of danger, and you work your way up. And then you have the pressure of, you've got to live up to the expectation of who your dad is. Yeah. If your dad is a gangster, or if your dad is the head of a firm, you better be ready to live up to the expectation. Because my dad, you know, he's part of the ICF, he's part of the Intercity firm, uh, the West Ham Hooligans. He was Nigel Ben's best man. Him and Tony Tucker used to walk Nigel and look after me, bodyguards. You know, my dad had been, does some books and movies and documentaries. Yeah. He's still heavily involved in gangland. I have got to live up to that expectation. Why? Because I've got to protect myself and I've got to protect my children. Yeah. So what's happening is I'm coming more and more of a monster. And now new doors are open. These new doors are opening in my life. Celebrities, musicians, actors, famous people, you know, contracts. You've become untouchable. Not untouchable to a man who can pull the trigger, untouchable in your power and the authority of what you're capable of doing. Yeah. So you, like, from, from meeting your dad, it opened up a lot of doors for you then, really, didn't it, with, obviously, the, the protection side of work. You, you said that you um, were security for, like, yeah. like high, you know, high celebrities. Yeah. yeah. So what happens is that you, obviously, uh, my, you know, I work with a lot of people, Terry Stone, Bill Murray, you know, they'd open a nightclub or they'd open a restaurant in Royal Ascot. And uh, that was in 2003. And um, obviously, Terry Stone said, love you, thank you. And yeah. Bill Murray has been there. Anyway, they, they, they come and say, listen, you know, can you put your boy on and a couple of people to look after the club? So um, business in Royal Ascot, there's a lot of celebrities, a lot of famous people going there. And... Uh, I got involved in some other things. You know, I'm talking big jobs. I'm talking like airport jobs. I'm talking big, big. And yeah. uh, I'm standing on the door one night and uh, a guy comes up to me and I've got uh, people from Steps inside. They're in there having a party. Um, you know, the band Steps, they're in there. Yeah. There's um, uh, Return of the Mac. What's that? Return of the Mac. He's in there. There's, there's loads of people. And this guy comes up to me, he shakes my hand, and as he shakes my hand, he puts a card in my hand. And I, and I said, yes. And he went, uh, Matt, how are you doing? I went, fine. I'm looking, I'm, I'm like, can I help you? And he went, I'm from the National uh, Crime Agency. And I went, okay. And he said, uh, I want to offer you witness protection. Whoa. And I was like, and, and I was like hold on a minute. You know, this is just getting way out of control. Yeah. He, goes, I wanna, he goes, I'm offering you time. I said, let me tell you something. I said, you're the National Crime Agency. I said, you can't protect me. Yeah. And he said, look, look, listen, man. I went, listen. I said, you cannot protect me. He said, why? I said, because we've infiltrated you already. I said, you are infiltrated to the very top of Scotland Yard. I said, so you cannot protect me. And he, and he just sort of started back, and I went, now go away. Wow. Uh, then, at that point, I was placed under observation OBO for six months. Six months, I was hounded continuously. I was followed everywhere I went for six months. If I went to the bakers, they would follow me. If I walked into the shop, they would follow me. If I went on to the security, they would follow me. They followed me and tormented me for six months. 
and to the point where I decided to do a runner. I couldn't yeah. cope with anymore. They stand outside the house taking pictures. And I'd open the door and go, you know, you know, the police observation is unbelievable. Those guys can intimidate you. They're yeah. not intimidating and scary. They will drive you mentally insane. They will they will follow you to the point where you'll go mentally insane. Did you and did, I spent, did you ever find out the reason why they were following you? Was there a reason behind? Was there a reason behind yeah, why they? Yeah, were following? All, all, all I can say is there's like eight guys who did 15 years. Really? That's all I can say. Wow. Um, and the level of what I was seeing, and the level of what was going on around me, was just. I mean, okay. Like you watch Line of Duty, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything about that is 100% true. See, I, 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 I asked. Line of duty. See, because my, my wife's watching it, and I've been, I've like, while she's been watching, I've been watching it. Uh, and I asked her, I think it was the other day, I was like, is, is this based on a true story? And she was like, yeah, I think so. So it is. Well, no, what I'm saying to you is, it's a series. Yeah. yeah. What I'm telling you is it's just a series like a normal program. Yeah. But it's real. What's really going on in life is what goes on in line of duty. Wow. That program is basically just a series about AC-12 investigating corrupt police officers working with organized crime. Okay? Yeah. That's real. That's mad. That's real. Dirty, dirty coppers. Dirty coppers, mate. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. I'm not, I'm not judging anyone. I'm not. I'm not here to judge anyone. That's not, not what I want to do because that's. Not, but at the end of the day, the level of what was going on and what was involved in was just too much for me. And it drove me to the point of insanity. Yeah. Um, and, and and so the more you see, the more you get involved. You can't talk about it. And and I and I can share a little bit here. Where I'm talking to you now, but I cannot share what I know. Yeah. Well, it, you know. It's for you. It's for, it's for you. It's for you, though, isn't it? You you can't share stuff like that because it will put you in danger. Not just you, your family as well. So we get that, bro. Yeah. We get that. We yeah, get that. I, I can't talk about it. So if I can't talk about it, where does it go? Pushes into the back of the brain. Yeah. Into that little cabinet. Yeah. Locked away, and then it comes out where? Well, it's obviously. Parkinson's, it's, it's on you, it's with Parkinson's, okay. exactly, yeah. And your mental health. So then when you look at it on that side, I have a difficulty with walking, right side, a slow movement, a stress level, a stuff of stiffness, a dizzy on one side. Yeah. Uh, I have tremors, I have angry outbursts, PTSD, I suffer insomnia, night terrors. You ever seen night terrors? I, I rat around at night, smashing out grabbing things, yeah. screaming, because I'm having night terrors every night in my brain, agitation, anxiety, depression. Um, I get vertigo. I have balance problems. You know, what's it, what's it like? memory loss. What's it like waking up in the morning? Because I've seen that, uh, different people's um, <clears throat> videos online, and they are they struggling like, getting up in the morning. I think you shared, I can't remember what the guy's name was. You shared his video the other, the other week on uh, Instagram. Uh, is that Ben Parkinson's dad? Yeah. Ben, yeah. He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
So, I mean, basically, what is you take the medication at night time to stop you from shaking while you're in the bed. Yeah. Because you're stopping your body from shaking, it becomes rigid. And then what happens is your body, this is to show you, it feels like it's a log. It feels like your body becomes like wood. And my leg and my right side feel like wood. Yeah. So when I'm walking, it's like I'm walking like a pirate, you know, catching chat back, you know, he's my timber. Yeah. Your leg's just wooden. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're like Captain Jack Sparrow, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you're just like this, wooden yeah. in the morning yeah. because your body is so tense to stop it shaking. Now, the medication only lasts five years. You can really? only get some parts of the medication. Yeah, five years, that's it. After five years, it's a no-go. You know, and, and this is the thing with Parkinson's awareness because you're, you're, you're talking about all these things of Parkinson's, but the thing is, in America, they're very advanced. In America, they're much better than we are here in the Michael J. Fox Federation. They're, you know, they're, they're, they really highlight Parkinson's. They really talk about Parkinson's. Yeah. They really embrace um, focusing on Parkinson's, bringing awareness to Parkinson's. But as I said, here in England, people only think of Michael J. Fox as an actor and Muhammad Ali, rest in peace, with, with having the brain damage because of boxing. But the fact yeah. is, Parkinson's is 40 different symptoms. So, you know, whether it's from hearing voices to low blood pressure to loss of smell to no sex drive to exhaustion, yeah. hallucinations, fatigue, uh, bladder problems, constipation, isolation, all these problems are part of mental health, are part of Parkinson's. And yeah. you've got to deal with all these problems. Now, the medication they give you, and as I said to you, I'm, I showed you earlier, didn't I? Yeah. On 18 lots of medication. Yeah. 18 lots of medication in the morning, three times four in the day to stop the shaking. And the shaking's like that at the moment. That's good. Yeah. Now, if I do that, that is my grip at the moment. I can't... Can't, can't go any further. Yeah. No, no, I won't do it. So, you know, you're taking this medication. It's only going to last five years. It's got... You know, in England, we have not progressed anywhere in 30 years of Parkinson's. Yeah. Technology in England has not processed anywhere in 30 years. We are still at the same place we were 30 years ago, Parkinson's. So the battle with Parkinson's, and this is the thing, everyone's Parkinson's is different. It's not all the same. You know, not every single person with Parkinson's will have it differently because of the 40 different symptoms. Because yeah. of the five different ways of dealing with it. But the one thing we have all got in common is this, mental health. Yeah. Mental health is a massive part of Parkinson's, which people do not know. And, is that, and that is something that needs to be highlighted. The Parkinson's is massively mental health. Why, why, why is that then? Why do you think people don't recognize it enough? The reason it's not recognised is down to two things. Michael J. Fox, being a famous actor, yeah, in Parkinson's, it was genetic, it was inherited through his bloodline, whatever. Yeah. And Muhammad Ali, boxing, brain trauma. Yeah. So people, people uh, get this in it. They think, well, okay, genetically I've got Parkinson's. I've got it from a brain trauma. Or I've got it from, um, you know, an injury or an illness. But the point is, if you take everything like in my life, if you take the 80 grand of cocaine, if you take the cannabis, if you take the whiskey, if you take the speed, if you take the fact that I've been knocked out 10 times, if you take the fact that I've been 
being up by 30 blokes. If you take the fact that I've been in a car crash at 70 miles an hour in a convoy and yet there was no airbag and my head bounced off. If wow. you take the fact that I've had crap brain stuff, it, two crushed vertebrae in the back, uh, right in the back of my neck, three broken ribs. If you take the fact that I've, I've had a discade kneecap, if you yeah. take all those factors and bring them together, and if you take all the trauma you've seen in life and you've gone through, your body creates something. Yeah. And it's all there. If you take everything I know in my mind from the day I met my dad to all the things I know about celebrities and musicians and actors and the elite and people in certain levels, it's yeah. all stored away. But it's coming out. And how's it coming out? Parkinson's all the time. Parkinson's. Yeah. yeah. It's a, so it must be like a constant reminder then. I, I Parkinson's is on my mind the first thing I wake up in the morning, Parkinson's. Can I get out of bed today? I don't know. I ha Please give me, God, give me the strength to get out of bed. Please, God, give me the strength to get out of bed. So the first battle in the morning is I have got to get out of bed. My leg is seized up, so I need to exercise. I need to move. So yeah. with my dog, I need to walk my dog because if I don't walk my dog, I'm not going to get the movement in my leg. And then the whole day, then it's, I've got to take my medication. I must take my medication, get the medication. Then I walk around the day because my, my memory's, you know, it's like fog. It's all, yeah. it's all foggy. So I'm dealing with that. And then it's Parkinson's all the way through for the next how many hours, you know, am I struggling with fatigue or am I anxious or am I going to start depression today or have I had a bad night's sleep or what got to be done today? What appointments do I need to go shopping? All these things. The Parkinson's on my brain 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, by four o'clock in the afternoon, I am exhausted. I am whacked. I'm full of fatigue. And all I want to do is sleep. And, and then I have to keep myself awake so that I do fall asleep about nine o'clock because that's all my body can cope with. Um, the pain with Parkinson's is 24 hours a day. It never goes. The only way I can suppress the pain is by my laughter and by my joking. Yeah. By my not focusing. So when I joke and laugh on it, I'm, I'm not feeling it. But yeah. when I get sick, talking like now, I can, the pain's all from my body because I'm talking about my emotions. Yeah. So you're dealing with that all the time. And you're also dealing with the fact that there is no cure. You know, just in case anyone didn't realise that, there is no cure. You know, there is no cure for Parkinson's. Do you think, I mean, do you, do you think there'll ever will be? I mean, obviously over here, like you've, you've just explained that the UK have, you know, gone nowhere since 30 years ago. Nothing's changed. I mean, Parkinson's UK are fantastic, but there isn't, you know, we've had some fantastic guys there. Silvio Smack, Scott Atkins, I love them. They're great yeah. actors, my size. They've done loads to highlight Parkinson's, um, and a lot of other people I know have. But the ambassadors in Parkinson's UK really need not. America has raised one billion, one billion to study Parkinson's. They've raised one billion, so that's a lot of money. No, that's a lot. So of money. America really have invested so much in finding a cure. In Britain, Parkinson's is really still not heard of enough. Now, I'm not interested in charity. I'm not interested in fame. I'm not interested in being well known. I'm not interested in having thousands of people follow me. All I'm interested in is saying this is that Parkinson's needs to be raised as an awareness. 
Yeah, definitely. Will there be a cure? Will there be a cure? Only God knows. I, I'm not God. Only God will tell me if it, you know, I don't know. In my time, there might be a cure. There might not be. But the problem you've got is that it's a sector of five things with 40 different symptoms. But yeah. when you do that, to try and get a cure, so not only are you living with trauma, not only are you living with mental health, not only are you living with Parkinson's, you are living with the fact that there is no cure. It's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating because there can there can be more research done, and I think, like you say, raising awareness for it, I will back it hundred percent, and you know, do everything I can to keep the word going. Because I, I know people, there's people in my family that have suffered with it. There's there's friends that have suffered with it, and it's. There's actually a local where, where I live in Stoke Stoke on Trent. There's a, um, a local referee who um, uh, I think he refed in the ooh I think it, uh, World Cup ninety ninety I think uh, I think yeah I think it was with with Palais and Maradona um, yeah, yeah. and he's he's got he's got Parkinson's and. He's an um, amazing guy. Like the stories he has is just amazing. You know, such a such a strong strong character. But um, you can see the struggle. You can see the struggle that he's uh, doing daily, and he's not uh, not afraid of talking about it. Um, and like I say, I think the the awareness needs to be pushed out more. Um, yeah, I mean, that, the, the thing is this is that. I don't seek sympathy. I, I'm not interested in sympathy. I'm not yeah. interested in people feeling sorry for me. I'm not a victim. Okay, all the things that happen in my life, I'm not a victim. Yeah. I hold no one to blame for anything. I'm, I, you know, I need to say that I do not blame anybody in my life for what's happened to me now. I, yeah. I don't blame my dad. I don't blame the cross situation. I don't blame anything. All the violence. I don't blame anything. I did. I took the path I did. I've gone through everything I've gone through. I am not a victim. I don't want sympathy. I don't want to raise money. I yep. don't want to be a part of a charity because that becomes a whole different level of stress. Yeah. All I want to do is raise the fact that Parkinson's needs an awareness. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be exposed. And people need to understand that you can't spend the next 30 years talking about Michael David Fox, whom I have total respect for, and Muhammad Ali. Because yeah. In England, we've got 67,000 people with Parkinson's disease. So we've got to speak up and we've got to talk about it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, mate. I, I agree 100%. And I think uh, we, we get the Mental Health Awareness Month. I know there's Mental Health Awareness Month this month. But I've not seen a uh, Parkinson's Awareness Month. So may, maybe it's something that we... We could probably sort out with Parkinson's UK, see if they can push it out a bit more. It's just finished. It finished 29th of April. April see? was Parkinson's one. See, the I, whole I've, of April was. You know I'm saying, huh? I've not heard. I, I didn't see it any, on it on my socials, mate. Twitter, did I not? No, didn't see it. Didn't see it on Facebook. Thank you very much. So, Thank you, sir. So, and that, that's me being honest, mate. I did not see yeah. that anywhere. 
So maybe it's time to kick shit out of it and get it sorted out. Big God willing, it will be. Big because we, as that's what I'm saying, we've just gone through Parkinson's awareness for a month and there's been nothing other than one interview on Sky News where the doctor said we've not progressed anywhere in 30 years. There was nothing by the ambassadors. There was nothing by all the people who are in, shall we say, powerful positions to speak about it. Yeah. I was blessed to have two guys who I love dearly, Scott and uh, Sylvia involved. And um, I had some lovely messages um, from a few famous people. I'm not going to mention who they are, but they were really kind and they sent me some lovely messages. Yeah. Um, but the point is, we've just gone for a month of Parkinson's awareness and there's been nothing. No. Yeah, America, America and Hawaii and South America are brilliant. They put so much time, so much love, so much energy. They, yeah. You know, they really support everything. Michael J. Fox, they support each other. They've got a real unit. I've got a friend out there, John Cullen. He's 62. What an inspiration. He, he's got a, um, he's in a documentary called, it's just Parkinson's. And he's doing it with uh, a good friend of mine called uh, Boonzy. And, uh, you know, these guys are doing amazing. Uh, Scott Carlisle out there. Um, Jason Cabone, you know, these people are all suffering Parkinson's. Uh, live in Ireland, Lisa, and they're doing amazing things out there. But in England, yeah, nothing. It's, it's like that. Yeah, it's a be- very much a closed book, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I've just proved that by openly admitting that I've not seen anything um, in April about uh, Parkinson's Awareness Month. Yeah, yeah. We will check. We'll we'll get change, bro. Another yeah, mission. Yeah, I mean, another mission. That, you know, that, that, that is, it, it, that, that's what I'm saying. If, if I have a mission, obviously, hold on, let me just need to take a short advert. Uh, today we are sponsored by Von Dutch. Von Dutch is a sponsor <laughs> for all truckers driving around the N25. Please wear Von Dutch. Von Sorry. Dutch USA. Um, <laughs> Von, Von Dutch, N25, truckers. Von Dutch. Okay, that's, that's 10 grand for me and you. Yes, mate. Yes, <laughs> mate. done. But the point is, we have we got a, a, to go forward in this is to highlight it, and that is all I'm seeking to do. Now, yeah. you know what? I'm not a perfect guy. I'm not, um, you know, I am who I am. I've had, I've led my life. I've got Parkinson's. I've got to deal with it. I made lots of enemies. Um, have I been a good person? No. I've tried to be a good person for the last 15 years. I'm a man of faith now. You know, you'll, you'll see I wear my cross. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, when you when you see so much darkness in life, another coping mechanism for me is my faith. Uh, I read my Bible. I, I meditate. I, you know, I pray. pray to Jesus Christ every day. I go to church. That is another big part of my life that helps me. Yeah. It, it, it brings me to a place of calm. It brings me to a place where especially meditation every day, where I'm just able to meditate, read the Bible and pray. That yeah. helps a lot with my mental health. That helps a lot with the darkness. Yeah. My faith in God, um, this is my cross I bear. You know, the cross I bear is the fact I've got Parkinson's. But I don't blame God. I don't say, I don't say why me. I say, why not me? Then say, yeah. why not me? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. someone's yeah, going to yeah. have Parkinson's, why not me? Because God obviously thinks I'm strong enough to deal with it. So, Coping mechanisms, my humour, my laughter, 
my going to sleep, my isolation, my faith is really listening up. Honestly, without my faith in God, I would not get through this. I would not be able to cope. So, you know, that is a big part of my life as well because I've seen so much darkness. I've got to bring some light into my life. Yeah. That does that. That my faith does that. Um, but I'm not a perfect guy. And all I'm trying to do at the end of the day is raise awareness about Parkinson's. And that's it, Dan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so, well, 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 we're on the mission now. We're on the mission. And obviously, by doing stuff like this, podcasts and, you know, different stuff that you do with YouTube videos and Instagram and other social media, I think the awareness will start growing. But it's a big task. But for you to try and get that awareness out is amazing, bro. Amazing. And inspirational. Inspirational. Ellie. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that, that you know, is what we, we're looking to to do is, at the end of the day, is yeah. um, raise awareness. Sorry. Peace, dear darling. Um, so, at the end of the day, you know, we are looking to raise awareness. That is what I'm looking to do. I'm not... Yeah. It, because, for the one of these images, you don't know when it's going to hit. You can have three really bad days. You can have seven bad days. And then you might wake up one day and you feel great. Yeah. But... Oh, you put yourself on mute, brother. You muted yourself. What's happening? You muted yourself, mate. <laughs> oh, dear. You're back. What's he going to do? I'm in the middle of a meeting, huh? You're trying to... What do you do? You're getting on the street. I'm in the studio. Get out of my phone, huh? <laughs> you mute yourself. You meet yourself. <laughs> yeah, you muted yourself. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, no, no, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. We've got you. What's the matter with people? I'm not ringing me. I don't get a ring in a week and now somebody's ringing me. I don't want to ring me. I don't want to talk to you, eh? But, yeah, bro, honestly, it's been awesome having you on. It's been a good laugh. You know, again, it's... It's the roller coaster experience of like the Men Unite podcast because it's it's not scripted. We just go for a conversation. Yeah, we go with free we free flow things. It's amazing, man. But what I want to share with yourself and all the listeners and the viewers, I've got a three minute video, which um, is quite a powerful motivational thing. So if you want to get a message out there before we get this video started because we're going to end on the video. So is there anything else you want to add? Is there any kind of inspiration or motivation? Yeah, I just listen, keep the faith, keep the hope, keep the unity, united we stand, divided we fall. Destiny is all, never quit, never give up. Peace out. Big time, big time. So this... I'm going to end on this uh, motivational video. It's, it's three minutes. It's uh, well, it's pretty. It's pretty powerful. I um, let's get it up. Let's get it up and get it going. But listen, the um, it's been amazing having Matt on. It's been it's been a right good session today. Great episode. I want everybody to keep supporting each other. Keep speaking out. We're going to push the awareness out for parkinson's so i want to thank everyone for listening watching and this is a powerful motivational 
um, speech by Ben Lennon Scott. So enjoy. I want to encourage somebody out there who's thinking about quitting and giving up. Somebody who has been praying for years for things to turn around. You're thinking about quitting. You're thinking about giving up. You are folding. You are caving in. This is for you. You're in this storm and you're down on your knees and you're cold and you're weak and you feel like this is the end. You have a choice to either give up or keep going. Give up or get up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay in it. Stay focused. When you fail, try again. And again. And again. You just take one step at a time. It's hard. But it's worth fighting. It's worth believing. It's worth mustering yourself up, standing up inside yourself. It's worth fighting relentlessly, never giving up. I love the sun, but things don't grow because of the sun. You have to have some rain. And you've got to stop looking at rain in your life as something bad. My greatest moments didn't come from my greatest moments. My greatest moments came from my greatest defeats because it was during my defeat that I had to find a way to get back up. You thought for one minute that you broke me. You got me twisted. I am not phenomenally skilled, but phenomenally will. I will not give up. I will not surrender. I will not quit. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop running towards your dream. Stay encouraged. Stay encouraged. Keep your head up. Stick your chest out. Continue to walk with pride. And know that if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not going to be easy, but we have what it takes. Their rough times are going to come, but they have not come to stay. They have come to pass. Don't say I'm having a bad day. Say I'm having a character building day. Don't look at night at darkness. Look at night as a new beginning. Benson Monty.